guys, it's Heather. This year we're having church in July. It'll be one service at 10 a.m. And if you haven't already found a House of Light, download our Wayo app and get connected today. This week's sermon is First Fruits and Breaking the Spirit of Poverty. Enjoy this message. So many out on this Memorial Day weekend. We know we have a lot of folks traveling out and about, and we just pray mercies and grace as they're traveling. And uh, so glad you're out to worship with us. If you get a holiday, we pray you have a great holiday tomorrow and enjoy your time off, maybe some time with family. And uh, we're looking forward to moving toward Pentecost. Uh, we're, we're headed toward the Feast of Pentecost this coming weekend. Hopefully you're getting prepared for that. Uh, we're going to help you hope, hopefully a little bit today. I, we're going to be tag teaming a bit, me and my brother Dan. We're going to deal with the spirit of poverty today. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. No, no, no. No, that's all right. No, no. You're not excited enough to clap yet. You'll get there. We're, we're going to deal with some of that. We're going to help, hopefully help prepare us for Pentecost uh, let me tell you a little bit about the weekend, what it's going to look like. On Friday night, we, we're doing a whole weekend celebration. On Friday night at 630, we're going to have a night of worship. And we welcome you. If you've never been, it is a time. We do it all out in the connection. And uh, it's very, very powerful as we just gather and worship. We go totally, uh, what is this? This is vertical, yeah. Uh, we go totally vertical, not necessarily horizontal like these services to engage in ministry. We just go vertical to God. And uh, we normally plan on an hour and a half. Sometimes it goes four and a half, five hours. And our worship team just circles up in the middle. They're just looking at each other to stay in tune with the, what the Spirit is saying. And, of course, you don't have to stay four or five hours, but we just have people that come and go. And uh, there's something powerful about worship that brings a weightiness to God's glory that rests on us and our families. And so we wanted just to give ourselves as a whole night just dedicated to worship of God. Uh, I don't have time to teach on this this morning. I'm going to hopefully teach, to you, teach this to you in the days ahead. But I had a revelation this week as I was reading God's Word about His glory. You, you all remember the story of Moses where it says, Show me your glory. And Moses was crying out, Show me your glory. And it says God had to hide him in a rock while he passed by. I used to think that was because God's awesomeness and his fury, you know, because he's so awesome and powerful. But then I reread it this week. You know what it says? It says, here's what God told Moses. I'm going to let all my goodness pass by you. God's goodness is so powerful and so overwhelming. He has to hide you. You can't take all of his goodness at one time. You can't take all of his goodness at once. You'd explode if you took all God's goodness at one, in one hit. And it says as soon as, and what was God's goodness? It says he will proclaim the name of the Lord. Long-suffering, kind, gentle, forgiving iniquity. And it goes on to talk about how gracious and how kind God is because of, because of his goodness. And it says as soon as that happened, Moses made haste and worshiped. I'm, my mind's being changed. We don't worship to see God's glory. We worship because we've seen God's glory. We worship because we've experienced His goodness. And, 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 and here's the bottom line. If people aren't radical worshipers of God, it's just simple. They've not experienced enough of His goodness yet. But I got good news. We're in a season where God's goodness is being poured out on our lives so you can expect to see God's goodness. Won't you touch two or three or four people and say, Get, expect to see God's goodness in this season. Won't you tell them that? Expect to see God's goodness. 
So we're going to worship Friday night. Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, we're going to do a food packing. We've not done that in a while. That's where we prepare packaged meals to ship them around the world to uh, serve those in need. And so Saturday morning, we'll bring you and your family, your children out. We'll pack food together, have a great time. That's always a blast as we serve others. And then Sunday morning, we'll culminate with two powerful services here at Pentecost. You're going to hear great testimonies of how God is moving, turning people's lives around. People are experiencing breakthrough, and we're going to be praying and ministering the power of the Holy Spirit uh, on the day of Pentecost. It should be a very, uh, very powerful time. Uh, prepare first fruits offering to come. It's one of those three times a year that that happens. And I'll throw you this, and, and after this, Dan will be up, and he'll share, share the rest of what we're going to share with you today. But God's really been talking to me, teaching me through the Scriptures uh, about first fruits in my own life. I was sharing with a pastor this week. And I found a scripture in my Bible reading. And by the way, I've referred to Bible reading twice. There is a beautiful app, uh, a beautiful Bible reading program on our app. Uh, it's called the Barking Fox. It's an interesting name. But it's basically the Bible through in a year, but it keeps you on the Hebraic thought all throughout the year. So it takes the Torah and the New Testament and the Psalms and Proverbs and mixes them together and gives you enough word so you can actually read the entire Bible through in a year, but also tracks you with the Hebraic calendar. It's amazing. So download the app. Uh, the Word Alive app and the Bible reading, just click on it and you can read it every day and it's very, very powerful. And so I've been reading that, been blessed by it and I found a scripture in my Bible reading in uh, Ezekiel 44, I think, uh, verse 31 and it says something along these lines. It says, The best of all the first fruits of any kind of every sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifices shall be the priest. Also you shall give to the priest the first. Somebody shout first. The first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. And this Bible verse is promising us as we participate in first fruits, a blessing will rest on your house. Anybody want a blessing on your house? Well, I looked at that word rest. It's the same rest from Exodus 33 where God promised Moses, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. There's something tied to first fruits with a blessing coming on your house. And so I've been meditating on that, and uh, I'm not a farmer, but we have planted some little box gardens this year uh, with Bev and my youngest son, Caleb, and just, you know, the tomatoes, cucumbers, that kind of stuff. And this, this is what blessed me about first fruits giving. Around Passover, many of us sowed a first fruits offering, right? And so we said, okay, God, we want to get into your cycles of blessings. And so as I've been meditating on this, I've been really excited to realize first fruits is not just biblical, and it's not just a spiritual and financial. It's actually the way the whole universe works. Because every farmer I've talked to in our area, when I ask them, when do you plant? When do you plant? I'm talking natural things now. When do you plant for a garden? They all tell me, Easter. Get your seed in the ground at Easter. Because that's the right time to plant for a good crop is around Easter. I've had old-time old farmers here tell me, if you get off of that, you're going to mess up your crop. Plant right around Easter. That's when you want to get your seed in the ground. Right? So I've been watching these little box gardens because we did natural and spiritual. We gave first fruits offering spiritual. But then I've been watching these. And now what's happening? Almost to Pentecost, we're beginning to see harvest come on the plants. Just 50 days after planting, harvest, you're starting to see small cucumbers, small, and now what's, so by, Passover, by Pentecost, you should have seen some beginning of the fruit that you sowed for 
at Passover. So now what does God say? God says, this is the month of Sivan. It's the month about giving. So now here's what happens. You take the first of what you're beginning to see. You offer that to God. And the Bible says, the first shall bless the rest. Now what you're saying is, God, I offer you this first cucumber. Believing that I'm going to have a whole bunch of cucumbers. Because what happens by the time October gets here, right? The whole harvest for the year should have come in. All these farmers know that's the harvest time. That's when you got so much produce, you're eating it, giving it away, canning it, freezing it, storing it. Because you've had enough. Come on, somebody. And that harvest that you've received by the time tabernacles should be so plenteous, you can eat some, save some, give some away, and it should last you all the way till the next season again. This is the kind of harvest that God wants to get us into in the cycles of blessings. Just like farmers, God's wanting to get us into these cycles of blessing. So when I was preaching this to a, a preacher in our FMA program, I got all fired up and the Holy Spirit just fell on me. And I said, now I understand 30, 60, and 100 fold. Mark 4 says, if you give, God will bless you some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And just like this, the Holy Spirit said, you give it Passover, that's 30 fold. You give Passover and Pentecost, that's 60 fold. You tie Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles together, you're looking for a 100 fold situation. And it's this whole cycle that God's just begin to expound us. And I said all that to say, we just want to encourage you. There's a lot of faith. There's a lot of expectation for a lot of things happening. And as we prepare to move toward uh, Pentecost this next weekend, we're going to worship, give first fruits offering, and it should be a powerful, powerful time as we continue to break, break out into cycles of God's blessings. So as Dan's getting ready to come, touch about eight people. Say, get ready for blessings to overtake you. Tell them, get ready for blessings to overtake you. Last, last bit of, these are some anointed announcements today, I'm thinking. Last bit of uh, uh, information I'll give you, the month of Savan. We handed this out to you. This is our new month. If you don't know about Houses of Light or hadn't con uh, connected with one, you can contact Scott and Lori Stanfield, our directors, and then there's Houses of Light listed in each of our regions or zones so that you can find a home that you can participate once a month in some very powerful Rosh Kadesh, come on, Dan, Rosh Kadesh uh, events, which are exciting uh, that we get together and we celebrate the goodness of God from the past month, pray into the month that we're entering, speak prophetically into each other, minister under the power of the Holy Spirit as we're endeavoring to raise up a thousand houses of light across our region in the houses of light. Amen? Put your hands together for Dan as he comes to share the word with us today. Come on. Good morning. How's everyone? Good. Well, I'm excited to be here, Memorial Day weekend. The Lord is good, isn't he? We're headed toward Pentecost, and I'm excited about that. There's one thing I know this morning. I know where I'm starting. I have no idea where I end, but we're going to get there, okay? And we're not going to take a long time, all right? My dad used to tell me that uh, sermons didn't have to be everlasting to be eternal. So I'm going to let you, all right, so this is where we're beginning. Are you ready? 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul said, simply says this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, this is grace. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you through his poverty 
might become rich. I want to talk to you today just a few moments about breaking the spirit of poverty by God's grace and for his glory. I want to tell you something. I never had thought of it this way, but I got saved because of an offering. The cross was an offering. The greatest offering the universe has ever seen. When God gave everything he said, Romans 8, 30, 32 said that if God gave his only son, in other words, if God gave the supreme gift he could give and to deliver us all, then shall he not also give us all things richly to enjoy. Amen? And so when we talk about poverty, though, poverty is just not lack. Poverty, the definition of poverty is believing that you will never have enough. Because you see, there's people with abundance today, but it's not enough. And that's not their fault. We inherited it from our ancestors. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, track with me. Everything they needed, God said, just one tree I don't want you to eat of. But, because of a doubt or a thought planted in Eve's mind, she said, I've got to have that. Why? Did she need it? No. But in her mind, it was going to give her something, power, that she didn't think that she had. But you see, what we got to realize is that when it comes to prosperity, here's prosperity. Prosperity, the Bible teaches, is God giving you everything you need to make it in this life. And not only do you have it, but you enjoy what you have. You see, I'm, I'm glad when this thing turns out and we get to whatever's going to happen, that's going to be a glorious time, but I'm going to enjoy the journey on the way. Why? Because I've been redeemed out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His marvelous light. I'm going to tell you like it is. It's not a lot of fun running your own kingdom. I did it for several years. But you see, when the Lord saved us, and I'm going to refer to myself a lot because I don't want to make anybody mad. And a few examples I give you is if God can help me, he can help anybody, all right? But here's the deal. You see, when you get brought into the kingdom of God, the Lord is king. And he's in charge. He's controlled because I wouldn't have got here without him. Are you tracking with me? But you see... Not only did it happen to Adam and Eve, it even happened to the Israelites. You know, I've thought about how great it was to have been there to see a nation born in one night when they got delivered out. But you know, they got delivered out, and guess what? The Bible said they left with the riches and the wealth of Egypt. You tracking with me? But there is a kicker there. There really wasn't anywhere to spend it. Have you ever thought about it? But the Lord said, that's all right, I'm going to take care of you. He and, and over in Exodus 17, what I like so much about this, that because I can identify with it, the Bible said that they were in a place where they were grumbling and complaining. The reason I like it, because I know how to grumble and I know how to complain. But in the midst of all their complaining, the Lord spoke to Moses, you tell them I'm going to do this. I'm going to cause the wind to blow and they're going to have quail to eat at night and every morning they're going to eat manna. And when Moses told them that, in the midst of their complaining and in the midst of their grumbling, they looked and guess what showed up? The glory of God. 
You know, I heard people say, well, you can't grumble, can't complain if you're going to see the glory. The Bible tells me right there the glory showed up in spite of their grumbling and in spite of their complaining. Why? Because God is good and he wants to bless us. He wants to help us. He wants to bless us. But we got to remember the first law of blessing, we are blessed to be a blessing. Now, it's fixing to get serious. Let me get my glasses. Number one is this. God never gets any glory out of me, me and you being broke, busted, and disgusted. I've been there. But also I want you to know that the Bible says in 3 John that God's desire is for us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Now, the Lord wants to lavish on me and you everything that he's got. Because you see what 2 Corinthians 8 teaches me, when Jesus did all this, guess what? That means that everything he has is mine. Anybody believe it out there? That's our inheritance. But guess what? If I understand the Bible... It tells me that everything I have is his. But I tell you what, he's got a lot more than I had when he found me. And he still has a whole lot more. But you see, that poverty mindset of thinking that enough is never enough is the thing that will rob us and the thing that will discourage us and the thing that will trouble us and stop us from moving in the blessings of God. Now, I, I like, you know, I, I'm not a clothes magnet, but there was a day when I was. In fact, I'm going to talk to you about contentment a little bit. I had to learn contentment last week. I, my wife and I celebrated our 45th wedding anniversary. I went to the beach. This beach I went to, the last time I was there was 47 years ago. Guess what? I had an 18-year-old body when I went there. Lean, mean, sunshine machine. Well, I pulled into Panama City Beach last Thursday, and I looked around, and I looked down, and I realized I had a 65-year-old body. It wasn't going to be like I was when I was 18, but I had to learn to be content. So, if you're, so guys, let me give you a little advice. If you're going to enjoy the beach and not have that 18-year-old body, first of all, get some swim trunks that fit. Not those kind where you're, you know, your tummy's lit, hey? And get you a nice-looking T-shirt and a Panama Jack hat and nice sunglasses and stroll down the beach and people think you just live there and you're not visiting. And they're waving and saying hello. And I, I know I'm just being, giving you a little humor today, but you see, what we got to understand is that the Lord wants to bless us, but He wants us to enjoy His blessings. But you say, well, how does this thing start? How can it turn around? You know, I, it's like I always have more month than I do money. How can God turn it around? How can He change things? How can He do things? Are you ready? Have you ever heard the expression, that thing turned around on a dime? See what I got? It's a dime. God can turn your poverty around on a dime. You see, that dime, hear me now, is my tithe of a dollar. 
Now, I don't know about you. I like to rejoice, but I don't like to rejoice over close, under closed heavens. I want to rejoice under open heavens. All I got to do is release that dime to God and what the Bible said. He'll open up the windows of heaven over my life and pour me out blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. And the Bible said he will stop the devourer for my sake. I want to tell you, you can't rob God. When Malachi said, well, you know, you rob God's what God was saying. You robbed him of a blessing. You see, number one, he'll turn on a dime. Number two, we have to learn to invest wisely. Now, there was a time in my life, and I'm not excited about it, when I was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars in debt. Why? Because you see, when God gives us abundance and wants to give us abundance, and you hear me, sometimes, you see, there's a little verse over there in Matthew, and I've quoted it many times, and it says that he knows what I have need of before I ask. You know, and I used to read that, and you know what I used to equate? That what I think I need is the same thing that he thinks I need, but that's not it. Because you see, what I kept praying was, Lord, I need more money. I need more money, and I need more money. And then one day I got the revelation, and it came to me. What I needed was some instruction and some direction. You see, the reason the children of Israel didn't go into the promised land because they weren't willing to possess it. If I read my Bible, the Bible says I'm a steward. I'm a manager. I want to tell you, the Holy Ghost does things in decency and in order, line upon line, precept upon precept, and He will bless us and He will help us. But the Lord had to start giving me direction. Here's the deal. You know, years ago, my mom and dad used to talk about the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. See, I came to realization that if I was going to walk in God's abundance, that I was going to have to quit trying to keep up with the Joneses, and I was going to align myself and walk with the Holy Ghost. Because, you see, the Holy Ghost, the grace of God will bring you out of poverty. Now, I know you've heard this before, and it doesn't make sense. But here's the key, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosoms. But guess what? When God gives it to me, He gives it to bless me. But guess what? He wants me to bless somebody else down the road. I, I can't hold on to all of it. I can't eat my seed. I, I can't hold on to everything God gives me because He wants stuff to flow in me and through me and to us. Others. But you see, that's not always easy for us. Because you see, not only do we have to be delivered by the, we got to be delivered from the concept that we just got to always be getting something. I, I have to be delivered. And also I got to be delivered from the idea that I always want to be in control. See, part of my problem you may, but part of my problem that, that got me to the place I was was because I wanted to be in control. Now, I wanted God to bless, and I wanted to move with the Holy Spirit and all that stuff, but here's the deal. 
I'd give God a little time to move. He didn't move. I'd take charge and move it myself. But everything, you move something, it costs to move something. So I just kept throwing the money in it, throwing the money in it, throwing the money in, and got to where, you know, hey, God, if you don't do it, that's all right. I'm going to take a hold of it. And finally, I turned around one day, and I said, there's no way that I'll ever get out of this. But you know what? I'm going to give you three keys that can break the spirit of poverty off of you. And God can deliver you. And he, like he delivered me. Because, see, see the mindset was, see, I was living in a mindset that I always had to have more to make the thing work. You see, Paul... When he talks about all the stuff he gloried in, he, the man had revelations, wrote 17 books of the New Testament. But if you read about him, you know what he gloried in? He gloried in the cross, and he gloried in his necessities. Because what? He said, I've learned. Now, to learn, see, you can read something and retain knowledge. But when he said learn, he says, this is stuff I've experienced. Paul said there was times when I had more, as the country boy would say, I'd have more than I could shake a stick at. You ever heard that? Dr. Patio was talking about preaching last week, and I was trying to think, how am I going to top that? She said, hold my mule. Y'all in here? Well, I tell you what, if you'll trust God, he can give you more money than it takes to burn a wet mule. But you see, he'll give, he gives that to us. Why? To be a blessing. To be a blessing. It takes courage to be blessed. What did God tell Abraham? Abraham said, look, he told Melchizedek, I'm not taking your stuff. I'm giving you this because I don't want anybody to say that they made Abram rich. And as soon as he did that, God showed up and said, I'm your shield and I'm your exceedingly great reward. That word exceedingly means unlimited. There's no limit to what God can put in your hands if you'll trust his word. But the next thing he told him was this, don't be afraid. you got to have courage to be blessed. Why? Because to whom much is given, much is required. But you see, he told Joshua, if you'll meditate on my word day and night and don't deviate, deviate it, he said, you will make your, make, your, make your way prosperous and have good success. See, if you, if you believe what the Lord says about you, I'm not just talking about in the Bible, but you say you got to believe what the Lord tells you about your investing. Now, I, I'm, I'm not a great financier. Dawn's pretty sharp, and Jesus is about the greatest one I know. But here's the deal. She was giving me something yesterday about some of our investments, not that I have to have a CPA to keep up with them. But I was sitting there, and the Holy Ghost came over me. And the Lord reminded me, the biggest returns I've ever had investing is when I invested in the kingdom of God. I said, Lord, if I get out of this, you're the only one that can get me out. He said, I'm going to get you out. But you got to trust what I tell you. He said, you're going to have to invest where I tell you to invest. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. God sent people into my life 
that if I was just going by the way they looked, the way they talked, the way they smelled, and the way they acted, I would have never let them in the door. But God say, so into that person. God say, so into them. And I'd say, well, Lord, I, he said, I said, and I'd sow. And guess what? It'd come back. I think, all right, I'm going to use He said, no, and he'd send somebody else. And guess what? I kept sowing. I kept sowing. I kept sowing. I kept sowing. He gave me instruction. He helped me realize that everything that I thought a need wasn't a need. Not, you see, I thought everything that I wanted was a need, but it's not. See, a lot of things I wanted were not a need. And so I said, well, Lord, you help me to walk. I, I, just help me. If you'll help me, whatever you do, whatever you tell me, I, he'll help me. And it didn't happen overnight, but I'm going to tell you what. It will work. If you will trust what he tells you, it will come to pass. Now, i got to hurry up, but, but I'll tell you this. Ever heard of John D. Rockefeller? He had a, had, when he was alive, he had a winter home in Norman Beach. And I was over that way several years ago, and in the little place I was staying, there was a book that he'd written. And I was reading it. And you see, he was the guy who started Standard Oil and they had to break his monopoly because he had so much money and so much power. You know, in all my life, I'd always heard of Rockefellers. You know, you know how, you know what, you know what caused him to get so far of everybody else in the industry in his time? He was one of the first investors to start drilling for oil. In the Middle East. Where did he get that great intellect? Because they didn't have the tools now that they, you know, like they can, you know, have stuff and they can see underground, see where stuff is. You know what it was? John D. was a Christian. He's reading his Bible one day and reading the story of Moses and saw where they took the basket and put some pitch in it. He said, there's got to be petroleum over there. Send his people, start drilling for oil, and that's how he got ahead. You see, now I'm not saying that's going to happen to you when you read the Bible, but you get God's word in your heart, he'll get to speaking with you. He, you know, you may not have any oil, he may give you some oil, but you got to trust what he says and what he tells us. The second thing, if he's going to help you to get rid of the spirit of poverty, you're going to have to learn to just trust him and believe him, do what what he says, but and then you got to invest, but also you got to learn to be content with what you have. See, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I used to think godliness was you was that you know you, you, you had some godly appearance, and that's not at all what it's saying. What it's saying, it's saying having a holy reverence or respect for God and being content with what you got, you're going to have great gain. Because, you see, Paul said, I had to learn. Did you know when Paul wrote that, he was in the darkest prison there was in Rome in writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, I've learned to be content and all. He said, why? Because, see, Hebrews chapter 12 is the key. The Bible says that we can't put our 
God wants to bless you. We just can't put our trust in money. Money is not evil, but we can't trust money is what he says. But the Lord said, I want you to trust me. The reason you can trust me is because I've said I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And because I've said that, you can say, well, what can I fear? What shall I fear that man could do unto me? The Lord is on my side. If the Lord's with me, he's going to make a way out. I say he's going to make a way out. But when Paul talks about those needs, he talks about fastings, he talks about beatings. He said, but you see, abundance, he said, I learned. I learned. I learned. God still teaches me. I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes, and I'll probably make a lot of more. But you see, my biggest mistake was not allowing God to control my life when it came to my desires and, it, and let him do what he wanted to in my life. Did it happen overnight? Oh, no. Now, it just made it scourge you. I didn't get there overnight. Why didn't God deliver me Overnight. Well, let me ask you this question. Why didn't he give Israel brand new clothes every day? He could have. But my Bible says for 40 years they wore the same shoes and the same clothes. He just caused them not to wear out. You listen to me? Why, why didn't, you know, God could have delivered me overnight. Why? He could have. He probably wanted to. But he knew that if it did, I wouldn't have learned a thing. But I'm going to tell you something, what? Tell you what? Through a process of a few years, there came a day when I saw the last little check that I wrote. And by the grace of God, I didn't know anybody had died. Why? Because of God's grace, His grace, and His glory. You see, he wants glory, glory, glory on your house, glory on your house, glory on your house. See, what I had to learn to do, I had to quit. I had to learn that I got to live in the moment, but I'm thinking in the future. Because, you see, I got two children. I got six granddaughters coming behind me. I want those girls to grow up to be learn how to prophesy and be full of the Holy Ghost. And I want to leave them something that will help them along the way. But I want to help God. But you see, God told me, see, if you'll help people, I'll help you. And I promise you, you I'll, you'll be like David. David said, I was young, now I'm old. Yet I've seen the righteous lacking or begging for bread. God will take care of you. Last of all, this is what we got to learn. I, excuse me, what I got to learn is to practice thanksgiving and give God praise. Right after I moved back to Alabama, Dawn and I, Rode over to the first little church I ever pastored. Now, 
I got married when I was 20, and Pastor Kent was 10. And uh, he thought probably as much of Dawn as I did. So he liked hanging around us. But the little place we lived, <laughs> it was so pitiful. He came to spend the night inside. He couldn't handle it, and we had to take him home. <laughs> it was. It, it was sad. And we rode back over there. But you know what? I've learned a lot. But I remember how contented I was and how much joy I had and how the Holy Ghost taught me and helped me. So I just had to stop and thank God. You know, ten lepers got instantaneously healed. Only one game came back to give God the praise and give God the glory. I want to tell you this. If you will give God the glory, you won't have to worry about the glory being on your house. Now I'm going to stop right here. If you don't know anything else, if this hasn't helped you or you don't understand it or if I've confused you, I apologize, but I promise you this right here will help you. If you don't know anything else, you just need to learn to pray this little prayer. Because you see, this little prayer that I'm getting ready to read to you was prayed by one of the wisest men the Bible says ever lived. His name was Solomon. And it's found in the book of Proverbs, and this is what it says. Solomon says, two things have I required of you. Deny me them not before I die. He's saying, I'm asking you for these two things before I die, Lord. He said, this is what I want you to do. He said, remove from me vanity and lies. But also, he said, give me neither poverty nor riches. He said, feed me with food convenient for me. He said, in other words, you give me, Lord, what I need, what you want. He said, give me what is convenient for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? He said, I don't want to get so much that I don't trust you anymore. I want everything God has for me. But I want to be faithful with what I have because I want the true riches. There were two churches in Revelation. Smyrna was, everybody, God said, I see you poverty. He said, I see you trouble. I see you work and I see you poverty. But God says, you're rich. <laughs> you see, what I'm baking in, I'm taking it all with me when I leave here. It's the riches of His grace, the riches of His glory, the riches of His mercy, the riches of His goodness, the riches of Christ, the riches of the hope of glory. That's all going with me. Why? Because it's going to last forever and ever and ever. But then He said, Lord, don't give me poverty because I don't have to go around and rob people and bring Shamed your name. Here's the deal. We've got a purpose. That's to glorify God. How's that going to happen? He's going to invest and lavish his riches on us. We just got to be able to.
to let them flow through us where he wants them to flow. Glory will be on your house. We'll break the spirit of poverty. We'll walk in the goodness of God, and we'll enjoy this journey and be blessed just like the Lord said we'd be blessed. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Come on, let Dan know how much you enjoyed that word this morning. Stand up with me, will you, before we go. We're going to be baptizing people next service. It's going to be a great time if you want to hang out. You're welcome to hang out and stay with us. It should be a wonderful time as we worship and baptize. I think we've got 16 or 18 folks being baptized next service, and so we're celebrating that. But, Father, we take that word we've heard today, and we receive it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you've destined us to walk in abundance spiritually, physically, financially, in every area of our lives. And so, Father, we take this word that we've heard, we hide it in our heart, and we decide now that we break the spirit of poverty off our lives and our family. Lord, we thank you that we will have enough. We'll have enough of everything we need to fulfill our purpose and our destiny in your kingdom. So, Lord, as we move toward Pentecost, Lord, fill our hearts with faith that we are moving into deeper cycles of blessing. You said these blessings shall overtake you. Lord, I thank you we're not following blessings. Blessings are following us. Lord, I thank you we're not following signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are going to follow us as we move with you into this new season. So, Lord, we thank you for this divine appointment of Pentecost that's on us. Lord, we come next week with expectant hearts, full of faith. We're not coming empty-handed. And we're saying, Lord, as we come... We're believing you to move supernaturally and take us into the next level of blessings that you have in store for us. Father, we thank you for it and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said, amen. Be blessed. Prayer room's open. Connections is open. Love you. We'll see you next week as we celebrate Pentecost. Be blessed. I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit wordalive.tv or download the Wayo app. If you're ready for your next step, jump into Freedom Track anytime. Have a great week.